I'm Maida Getman, and welcome to Infertility Crossroads. I'm a mom to donor-conceived twins, and I went through eight rounds of fertility treatment before finally becoming pregnant with my two girls. I'm also a donor conception coach and founder of The Donor Downlow, a self-paced online program for people who are at the crossroads of donor conception and wondering which path is right for them. Perhaps you're like me, you thought having a baby would be easy, yet here you are every day, week, and month having to make big, scary, and radical decisions about what your future might look like. I call it the infertility crossroads. Whether you're just getting started on your fertility journey, have been trying for years, or are headed down an alternative path, you are welcome here. Join me each week where I will walk alongside you through all the infertility crossroads. Let's dive in. Hello everyone, welcome back to Infertility Crossroads. I'm Maida Getman and I am really excited for our conversation today. It's a little bit different than what we've done in the past, but I'm super excited to have Lauren here from CoFertility. We're going to be talking about her and her story and CoFertility and getting into all things egg donation. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, absolutely. Hi, everyone. I'm Lauren Mackler. I am the CEO and one of the three co-founders of CoFertility. And CoFertility is a new kind of fertility ecosystem that helps match intended parents with egg donors. And what makes us new is really that we're, we're doing it differently. Um, we essentially give women the opportunity to freeze their eggs for free when they donate half of the eggs retrieved to intended parents. So instead of a traditional model of egg donation where cash compensation is at the core, um, we take that out entirely. And so um, there's a, a feeling, and I think part of what our hypothesis was, honestly, was that by taking out cash compensation, we would be able to attract women that otherwise might not be interested in egg donation or who um, might want to help a family who who needs eggs to, to grow um, and see if they are, um, you know, ready to, to like basically like open the pie of egg donors. That's how I'll put it, right? Like mm -hmm. essentially find more women, open the pie. And give intended parents like another option, right? I think that I meet with so many intended parents, which is amazing. And no one is ever really, you know, no one's excited to have the conversation about choosing an egg donor. And I completely understand that. But we never want someone to feel like they're settling for their egg donor. And so totally. by bringing more options to the table, um, we're able to really help fill a, a gap that I think is there. That's awesome. That's amazing. And I, I love that model and how it really is stepping, stepping outside of the, the traditional model of egg donation and giving people different options, um, yeah. multiple people options, not just recipient parents, but also people who want to freeze their eggs, people who want to donate their eggs that may not have been available to them in, in other yes. ways. Yes. Um, absolutely. I think the, the recipient parents often tell us that, wow, you know, in, in pursuing this, I get to sort of empower someone else who 
may experience infertility later in life and, and who won't be in this boat later because she will have participated in something like this. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about why did you and your co-founders start this? What maybe about your story? What really was the passion behind it? Yeah. So um, all three of us have experienced what we say are winding roads to becoming parents. Um, All three experiences very different. Um, I think, you know, Hallie is someone who will tell you one of her biggest regrets in life is, is not freezing her eggs in her 20s. Um, Arielle is someone who found out at age 28 that she, when she started trying to conceive that she would have a very long road with IVF ahead of her. And my story is different in that years ago, and I should mention, I was, um, I was working, I I started at Uber in the very early days of Uber. I was launching Uber across the East coast. I had pitched a new business line there called Uber health, which now helps Mm -hmm. patients get to the care that they need. And right around the time I had pitched that, I felt a pain in my side and was diagnosed with an incredibly rare abdominal disease. I had, mm. I'm like one of fewer than 200 people on the planet with it. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I had like masses growing throughout my abdomen. And um, I knew I was told I would have to have a number of surgeries to remove the disease. And the question came up, as you can imagine, you know, a a woman in her late twenties, like, will I ever be able to have children? Like what, what's the plan here? Should I freeze my eggs? What should I do? And just given how rare my disease was, my doctor was like, let's not freeze your eggs. But you know, there's a chance that during your surgeries, we'll have to remove your ovaries and all of these other potential outcomes. Hmm. And so I, tried to understand like what would be available to me if that were the case, right? And so of course, egg donation came up as a, a potential outcome. And so me being a planner and very type <laughs> A, I started like looking into it at great length. And at first, actually, I was like, hmm, you know, as someone who's Jewish, what would it mean to get a Jewish donor? What would that mm-hmm. feel like? Or and And I was shocked, honestly, to see the amount of donor compensation that people get or, or sort of ask for, depending on how specific you want to be with the type of donor that you, you get, right. Whether it's like an education background or heritage or different things like that. So I was very, uh, off put to say the least partially by the cash compensation, but also just how like antiquated the whole space felt. Um, and I think having worked in tech, I, I just like, like when things feel seamless and easy and, (laughs) magical and, and donation at first glance did not look anything like that. Um, and so ahead of my surgeries, I'm thinking about all this and my, my incredible sister actually came to me and said, you know what, I would really like to freeze my eggs and donate them to you in case Mm. you need to use them someday. And we both thought a lot about it. I spoke with my therapist at great length to think through like, what would this mean to sort of mm-hmm. accept her and, and say yes um, to that. And I decided, you know, yes, to move forward with that, just to at least have her freeze the eggs, donate them and have them in my sort of back pocket if I needed them yep. someday, right. To like go yep. into these surgeries, knowing I had the eggs on ice and I did that. I recovered from my surgeries. And then I, I got to like move forward with my life in a way that took the pressure off of having a baby, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And, and knowing that like frozen eggs don't mean it's not a perfect insurance policy. Right. And I would never want anyone to think that, but it does help increase your chances of having a baby should you experience infertility. Right. And so I got to move through life in a different way. And ultimately my husband, I married my now husband. We, you know, waited the necessary amount of time for my most recent surgery. I ended up having three surgeries for this disease. Um, and decided to try to have a baby. And my doctor had said, Hey, try for six months. If you're not pregnant after six months, we'll talk about using your sister's eggs. I am one of the lucky few that on the sixth month I got Mm -hmm. pregnant without using my sister's eggs. Mm -hmm. But what I will tell you is that the minute she was born, I had this like insane, immense clarity that I needed to build something in this space that like reproductive health needed help. And that I could take this experience I had building Uber, building Uber Health, and then this personal journey to build something new. And so I had never stopped thinking about egg donation, of course, never stopped thinking about egg freezing. And it just so happened that right after I, um, I gave notice at Uber without a plan, within a day or two, I heard from Hallie Teco, who is one of my incredible co-founders. And she was like, hey, what are you working on? We barely knew each other at the time. And I was like, I I just gave notice and I don't have a plan. And she was like, you're on the market. I'm calling you. So she picked up the phone. She called me and she pitched me on the idea for what we're doing now, having not known anything about my own health history. So mm-hmm. like she didn't even know about my sister and the eggs, or any of it. And so when she told me, hey, I think we can like, make egg freezing more accessible. I think we can improve egg donation. She had no clue that I had just been through what I went through. And so from that moment on, we just went for it. Um, and that's, that's that. I like that. Your whole story is incredible. It's also incredible how the stars aligned essentially to have this opportunity to use your skills that you have from your past life and yeah. and your personal life experience to then come forward and be able to build something that's going to innovate and change and change an industry that's not changing a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it just always like I get this like kind of tingly feeling, I guess, when you when I see and hear stories of how just whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, whatever your belief is, is really setting you up for kind of your life's purpose or the things that you're meant to do. And that's happening to all of us all the time. We just don't always get to see it. Yeah. And you have to listen to it. Right. Yes. And and I'm like emotional thinking about it. Honestly, like you're right. Right. Like the, the stars align, but you have to be willing to like take a chance and go for it. Right. Like yeah, you know, leaving a job or starting something new or taking a chance on something that might disrupt something that already happens a certain way is super, super scary. And I will say on the other side of taking that jump, I get to wake up every morning and I say, I get to do this work, not I have to go do this work, right? And Mm -hmm. I get to do it with an incredible team and I get to do it with amazing, you know, recipient parents, amazing donors, amazing people who like want to be a part of it and it feels yeah. really good. How long has co-fertility been around? How long have you guys yeah. been doing this for? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, we started working on it 
in October of 2021. Okay. We did what we call a soft launch where we started introducing the concept to women over the summer of 2021 or 2022 Mm -hmm. um, to just make sure we were onto something, right? To nail our messaging, to introduce them to what we're doing. And because you can't turn something on for recipient parents or attend parents if you don't have any donors for them to come look at, right? And so um, we started that way. And then we publicly launched on October 19th of 2022. And so it has just been a few months since we've been out there and the reception has, has far exceeded our expectations. I'll say that. So yeah. it's just been incredible to see the how people respond to it and the matches that we've made already uh, are beautiful. It's like the best feeling in the world. I love that. So can you talk to us a little bit about what is the process? So like you have someone who wants to freeze their eggs, like how does the matching yeah. take place? What's yeah. the process? So I'll start on, so we have two sides. We call it freeze by co and family by co. Family by co is for the recipient parents, but freeze by co is for the women who are interested in either just freezing or freezing and donating some of their eggs. And so we help to educate them, help them to understand what the process entails and also like what they're eligible for, right? Because our model of course is, is different, but we still follow all of the same requirements for egg donation, right? So the ASRM guidelines, the FDA guidelines, right? They have to meet certain clinical criteria. Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot of qualifying up front with these women who are interested to see if they are, you know, eligible to participate. So we have two programs. One is called split. One is called keep split is when they do meet all of those clinical criteria and they have the opportunity to match with intended parents keep is for women who either like aren't interested in donation, which is like totally fine because it's not for everybody and that's okay. Right. We do never pressure anybody to do something like that ever. Or for women who don't qualify to donate, we still want to help them achieve their goals of fertility preservation. Right. So we don't want to leave anyone hanging. And so, um, we often help people, you know, decide which of those two are a better fit for them. And so keep, we'll still help them find a way to, to freeze their eggs. Let's the split program, I think, is what's most relevant here. So, yep, for split, we do that upfront qualifying. Um, we review the application in partnership with um, our clinical operations team and our in partnership with our um, reproductive endocrinologist medical advisors. Mm-hmm. And then we do an interview with every woman. So part interview for sure to like learn more about her make sure you know she is who she says she is, but also inform consent to make sure she understands what the process entails, to make sure she's thought through items like disclosure. Does she want to have a relationship with the intended parents if she matches? Um, does she, you know, is she eligible or, or sorry, is she able um, to travel? Is she able to, does she understand that she has to give herself shots? And does she understand like what all of that means? Um, does she want to talk through what she's doing with any loved ones? Questions like that, right? To help suss out whether or not she's a good fit for the program. Um, if all goes well, she then signs an agreement with co-fertility to like show that she understands that commitment. And then we list her to match with intended parents. On the flip side for Family by Co, we have um, the opportunity 
we say intended parents could be recipient parents either way yeah, um, yeah. for them to come and look at the profiles of our split members or donors. And we care very much. And I think this is one of those things that we saw early on. There are a lot of places you can go look at like donor egg options, right? But sometimes yeah. all you get are like the basic stats about a person, right? Like the physical attributes, how old they were at time of freezing or how old they are. And that's it. Whereas our profiles are really robust. They are, of course, the like physical attributes, heritage, like the things that you definitely need as stable t- table stakes, but also inclusive of like people's personality traits mm-hmm. and motivations. And would they call themselves a right brain or left brain person? Or are they an introvert or extrovert? Or are they how would they rate their singing ability? How would they rate their <laughs> athleticism? Um, who would they invite to dinner, dead or alive? Or what are their short-term goals, their long-term goals, right? These things, while they might not indicate that, you know, might not come through genetics, right? But we find that so many recipient parents are looking for a donor that they feel some kind of connection to, right? Sure. Yeah. And that connection looks different for everyone. And so by having a robust profile, it could be that like the donor has the same favorite book as you, right? And that's what does it. Or it could be, I actually heard this the other day, like it was the way she described her relationship with her grandmother that sealed the deal, Hmm. you know? And like, Mm -hmm. that was it. And they put their deposit down immediately and they just knew, right? And like, if we never ask those questions, like how could like we evoke those feelings into a match? And so I feel really good about knowing that like we show more about these individuals. And then at that point, once they say like, yes, this is the person we want to match with. And by the way, we also include, of course, recent photos of the donor, but baby photos, childhood photos, teen photos, so that they can get a really good sense Mm-hmm. Um, some of our donors also include videos, which is great. Um, but at that point, we actually give, once there's a match, we give intended parents and donors the opportunity, if they want to, to have what we call a match meeting. Mm-hmm. And the match meeting can be whatever they want it to be. So we've had we've had some recipient parents fly from New York to LA to have brunch with their donor. Yeah. Um, whereas others will of course meet over zoom or maybe have a phone call. If that feels more comfortable, we give them the option to have someone from the co-fertility team on the call or not. Again, whatever feels more comfortable. Mm-hmm. We know how much of a fertility journey kind of like feels out of your control. And so we try to give some control back to the process, right? Instead of yeah. like making arbitrary rules about it, <laughs> we say like, Hey, what feels right to you? Um, And so that match meeting, if it's something that they decide to do, can be a really good way to like decide that this is the person you for sure want to move forward with. Um, And then at that point, it's decided with our member advocate team where the cycle should take place. So in a lot of cases, um, an intended parent or recipient parent might love their physician and want the whole cycle to happen at that clinic, which most of our donors are really more than happy to travel in other cases, depending on their work situation or depending on other factors, they may do part of the cycle local to them and travel at the end or do the whole cycle local to them and ship sperm or do different things like that. So our team will help manage all of those logistics. Okay. That's that's the gist. And do you guys, like, do the donors have 
the option to be anonymous if they want to be? Or do you say like, if you're donating with us, like our intended parents are going to know who you are? How does, how does that work? Yeah. We are allergic to the word anonymous in that we think that in this day and age with the sort of ubiquitous nature of DNA tests, right? Like it is impossible for someone to be anonymous, right? Even if you yourself never take a genetic test, if your great uncle or your third cousin takes one, like someone might be able to find you, right? And so Mm -hmm. we are really clear with our donors and with our recipient parents about that fact. However, that doesn't mean you need to know each other's phone, like phone numbers and names and full details on day one. And so what we do, we offer different options. We call them disclosed is the most obvious. We're like, you know who each other are. You can contact each other. No problem. We also offer undisclosed, which means you don't intend to contact each other now. You can through co-fertility, but you are well aware of the fact that anonymity is not a thing. Um, We also have an option where some intended parents will choose not to be disclosed now, but want to give their child the option at age 18 to reach out to the donor. And so we are really supportive of that. We believe Mm -hmm. that like options and choice are the name of the game. And we really want to honor the donor conceived person. um, And we want them to not feel, you know, like they have to hire a private investigator someday, you know? And so that's a real conversation that we have with intended parents. I think the, you know, culturally for a lot of people, it's something that they feel, you know, they might want to keep some level of, of distance. And and that's something that we understand and are, are thoughtful about, but um, the word anonymous really just needs to go. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think, you know, I've, I've shared this a lot with my audience, but we used anonymous donor. And if mm-hmm. we were going to do that again, I would not do it that way. Yeah. And I think a lot of reasons why we did it was because of more my fear around not being the real mom and things like that. Knowing what I know now, working really hard to try to educate and help people understand like, you are the real mom, you are the the parent that they that their your child is going to come to and that giving your child the accessibility and the options and you having the accessibility and the options to who your donor is yeah makes a huge difference in the life of your child and also you because yeah. now my husband and I are taking on the burden and responsibility of trying to figure out who this person is when 7 years ago when we went down this path like anonymous right. was an option now it's right. it's really not um but i yeah. love that well, you guys no, are really still... educating on that Yes, I will say it's unfortunate that there are still organizations out there who yes. are, you know, trying to have you know, frozen eggs be sent to intended parents under the name anonymous, right? And right. and are it's just I think we need to evolve. Um but I think what you're talking about is so important, right? We actually we have a fertility psychologist that's on our medical advisory board who's incredible. And she helps us write a ton of our content and resources. And we actually created a post recently after a conversation that we had um, with some parents of of donor conceived children who said, like, what do I do now that I like regret using anonymous eggs? Right. Yes. And so we 
have content about that, right? And we yes. we 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 don't see this as like, oh, we'll get you eggs and then we never want to hear from you again. We want to be part of this. This is a lifelong thing, you know, raising a donor conceived child into a healthy, happy, well-adjusted donor conceived person, you know, Correct. and our adult, right? And so we believe very much in in supporting throughout that whole journey. And we didn't know what we know now years ago, right? And so even, even this idea of cash compensation, right? Like there was a study that came out from Harvard in 2021 that said donor conceived people really struggle with the idea that their parents paid mm-hmm. cash compensation to their donors, right? I don't fault this you know, the fertility industry, I don't even love that word, right? (laughs) Industry for like going in that direction. But now that we know that's something that people struggle with, how can we do better? Right? Totally. That's, that's all. Well, and I think that's, that's what this whole process is because we are learning new things every single day. And so it's being willing to take, take the new information and go, okay, I didn't know that before. Now I'm going to do this differently, or I'm going to think about this differently and constantly evolving, like that's what's best for all of us, mm-hmm. is that that change in evolution. You had mentioned that once the match is kind of made, and then there's a decision around like where did the cycle go. So, do you then partner with all the fertility clinics, like where your clients are either seeking treatment to then go through that process? That kind yeah. of goes through the clinic. Is that how that works? Yeah. So we call ourselves clinic agnostic in that we are more than happy to work with any clinic. Like we never want to leave a a recipient parent hanging on that front, right? And I think, you know, sometimes there are clinics who have different requirements of an egg donation scenario where like some clinics are really understanding of the fact that a donor might live in another city and might need to do some remote monitoring and travel toward the end of the cycle. Whereas other clinics are like very adamant that the donor be there for the entire cycle, right? So, you know, we will happily work with any of them, but we have to be clear that like, we also need to make sure it works in the donor's life. And so um, it's funny, we've had some intended parents come to us and say, you know what, my clinic has like ridiculous like standards and it's harder for me to find a donor that I love than it is to find a clinic that I love. And so Sometimes they'll be flexible because they want a specific donor, but we really will work with any clinic to help make it happen. So um, we say it's like, let's make the match, figure out where your donor is, where your donor, where your donor is located. (laughs) Sorry, I'm combining words um, where they're located and go from there. Um, We do also work with a number of, we call them our preferred clinics where we have an established relationship. We are really familiar with the doctors. They have great outcomes where say you have, you know, say you're in a scenario where you don't have a clinic yet and you need one or you want one near your donor, we can make recommendations about that. Yeah, that's great. And do you guys mostly work with people in the United States or do you work with people outside the U.S.? We work with people in and outside the U.S., Um, typically the cycles are taking place in the U S but we have intended parents from other countries as well. Sometimes it's just really hard to find a donor you're excited about, not excited that you're like wanting to move forward with. Yeah. That, like you said earlier that you feel that 
emotional connection to. Mm-hmm. It's more than just a person's like information on a page. There's there's some kind of familiarity right. or comfort or connection to that donor. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. So if someone wanted to like start working with you as like an intended parent, how would they how would they do that? Yeah. So first step is if you go to our website, cofertility.com or cofertility.com fam- slash family, um, you can learn more about us. But on that page, we have a button that says find your match and you create an account with us and it's free to create an account. It's free to look at profiles. We're not looking to like create more barriers to you finding a donor. Um, and you can look through our profiles. There's different ways to filter. You can filter on like personality type or heritage or any number of things. And as soon as you find a donor that you are like, oh my gosh, this might be it. I highly recommend clicking hold this match and, and placing a deposit. And the reason for that is because our donors are matching very quickly. So I've had intended parents who are like, oh, let me think about this, or we're going to sit on it over the weekend or set up, they want to set up time. And we're happy to to meet with anyone like one-on-one, of course, and you can make a, an appointment with our team on our website. Um, but we've had scenarios where like an intended parent has favorited someone and they're excited about someone. And then they, they wait a few days and um, that donor has matched. And it's like heartbreaking and it makes me very sad. Um, And so hopefully can avoid that. But um, yeah, it's really easy. And that $500 deposit that I should mention goes toward your coordination fee. So it's not like it's just a deposit. It's like part of what you would end up paying overall. What else do you think people need to know or that we didn't talk about that you feel like is something we should cover? I guess I'd love to just touch a little bit on the the types of women that we're seeing come through the program, right? Because I think what's been so exciting to us is that, because at first, I'll be honest, when when Hallie called me in October of 2021 about this idea, I I was like, oh my gosh, wow, that sounds really interesting. A couple days go by and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like couldn't stop, like was up at night, my wheels are turning, imagining what's possible. And I said to her, I'm not, I need to be like sure that women are going to do this. Like, how do we know? Like, I could imagine myself going through it and I could see, you know, doing it, but like, will enough women do this, that this is a real thing. So we ended up sending out a survey through like a number of Instagram influencers and got a resounding, like, yes, women would be interested in this, but answers to a survey don't always equate to women or anyone really doing something. Right. And so we've been just really excited by the amount of response, but like our hypothesis in terms of the types of women has been correct, which is, first of all, I think Gen Z in general, like women in their mid to late twenties now, and even, you know, you can, ASRM says donor can be up to 34, are incredibly open-minded about the way people build families today. Right. Mm -hmm. So they understand that like and they believe that single parents by choice should exist. They believe that uh, gay men should be able to come dads. They they understand that a lot of people face challenges with their fertility and they believe that anybody who wants to be a parent should be able to become a parent. 
right? Hmm. And so they know that third-party reproduction is essential for that to happen. And so the women we're seeing come through are very thoughtful about that. They have friends who maybe fit in those categories, or maybe they themselves, maybe they're part of the LGBTQ community, or maybe they like, you know, are someone who was donor conceived themselves. Right. And so they're really believing in that. And then what's fascinating is that the women who are interested in this are people who have prioritized their education. Maybe they've prioritized their career. Maybe they just haven't found the right partner yet. And they know that it's going to be a while before they're ready to, to start thinking about growing their own family. And so the women that we're seeing are incredibly educated. I think over 50% of them have a graduate degree or higher. Um, they're incredibly diverse. I think as of yesterday, I think 20% of our active donors are Asian. I think mm. close to 20% have Jewish heritage. Um, just numbers that you really wouldn't see in other areas, yep. I think, yep. um, of the women that have been matched so far with intended parents on our platform, 20% of them are physicians. Mm. Um, if you think about it, right, like someone, and we know doctors are actually twice as likely to experience infertility as the general public because yep. they spend so much time in their education, their training, all of the years that they are dedicating to caring for other people. Um, and then they're later in life, they're stressed, they're hard on their bodies. They don't take care of themselves. And so a lot of women are thinking now, wow, I know I'm not going to be able to like start my family until after my residency or whatever. It's going to be years. So I should preserve my fertility Mm -hmm. in my mid twenties. Right. And so we're seeing a lot of that, which is really exciting. So just like moved quite a bit by the, the women who are coming through. And then what's cool is that like, Oftentimes our intended parents will like write a letter to the donor at time of match and the responses that we get from the donors of like, oh my gosh, like I just, I feel like they're, you know, growing the exact type of family I want to have 10 years from now, or Mm -hmm. I see myself in them or, oh my gosh, I can't believe like they studied the same thing I'm studying or like different things. It's just really amazing to see. So having, having a ball, being able to like help empower those women and help make recipient parents dreams come true at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's, I love that. And that's, that's one thing that got me really excited about what you guys are doing is how it's really a win-win for everyone involved. Like a lot of things aren't a win-win for everyone involved. And to be able to see women being able to have access to preserving their fertility. That was not an option for me when I was in my mid twenties and knowing what I know now about my own story, I wish it had been because I probably would have done it. Um, but then I wouldn't have my girls who I have now. And so you can't really look back on that, but to, to now be talking to friends, family, other family members who are younger and saying like, Hey, consider this, this is an amazing option that you have to preserve your fertility. Cause you don't know what's going to happen in the future, but then to be able to give intended parents more choice, more option. And we do hear that, like, it's really hard to find a donor who's not white, 
you know, from America and like to not have any of those other, you know, lineages or heritages in, in their genetics. And so then they end up having to maybe travel farther than they want to, or settle for a donor. They're not that excited about because this is such an important piece. So to be able to give that diversity too is amazing. That plus doing it at a lower cost because we're not charging donor compensation. Right. So, um, it's and also I think like the difference here too is that these women because they're incentivized by the same thing right which is great quality eggs a high quantity of eggs they're really uh, thoughtful about the process they really want to follow the clinical protocol they ask about their diet they you know they're serious mm-hmm. about not drinking and like and I, that's not to say that a donor who's getting cash compensation wouldn't be. Yep. But I think there's some comfort knowing that you have an aligned incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that part of it is is pretty cool. Now, do you have donors who maybe do a split cycle and then come back and donate again? So a, a lot of actually, um, we have a lot of recipient parents who are interested in doing two cycles at the same donor, depending on their goals, right? Like right. if you want to have multiple children or something like that. Um, most of our donors aren't necessarily looking to do this with more than one family, which is another benefit of this, right? Huge so that you have fewer people who might be biological half-siblings of your children someday. 100%. Um, that's not to say she might not decide to do it one more time, you know, but not a scenario where it's like, 30 families from, you know, six cycles divided by five lots or whatever, you know, not like that. Yeah. Much more personalized and like one-to-one or one to, yeah. Which is better for everyone involved, right? Yeah. And not have all those siblings. Yeah. Just to to make it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, I'm going to link your website into the show notes. So anyone who's interested can go and find you guys and connect with you guys. Yes. Um, and also on Instagram. Perfect. Yes. So, I follow yeah. you guys on Instagram. Okay, you have great yeah. content on there. Thank you. We're at family by co. Um, if you're on the recipient parent side, um, I'm at Lauren Mackler, um, L-A-U-R-E-N-M-A-K-L-E-R. I am more than happy to connect directly with recipient parents if that's helpful. Um, really, I, I love what I'm doing. So I'm more than happy to yeah, do that. I can tell just by talking to you. <laughs> um, so I have one more question before we yeah, end, please. which is I always like my guests on the show to share a piece of advice or something that you would tell them as they're starting this process yeah. of looking for a donor or, you know, going yeah. down donor conception path. Well, so in general, I would say like remain focused on your outcome, which is becoming a parent. And allow yourself to be flexible on the journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like totally think about that. But as it relates to finding a donor specifically, something that I tell intended parents all the time is instead of thinking, I need to find someone that is like exactly me to a T or is like a clone of myself, try to find someone that you feel some sort of connection to, or maybe start with like, would I want to be friends with this person? Like start there. I think it puts a lot less pressure on it. And if from there you feel something start to build or you feel a connection that you are like, this feels right, like then go for that, right? But if you are like 
I, I think where people end up feeling disappointed is where they're like, okay, I'm five, five. I have brown curly hair. I have fair skin. I'm into, you know, tech entrepreneurship. I, you know, have a, on a scale of one to five, my singing ability is maybe a three or a four. Like if you, you try to find like exactly that, it's going to take a lot longer. That's not to say you won't find it. Cause I swear we have intended parents all the time. And we're like, Oh my God, like this is everything. Right. But you know, I would say open up your filters, right? Like open them up because you might be shocked to find that if you filter, you know, you want someone from five, seven or five, five to five, seven, the person who might be everything on your list, except maybe she's five, four mm-hmm. would be filtered out. Right. Like yeah. that one inch, at least to me personally, would not be a deal breaker. Not saying you won't find exactly what you're looking for, but to just be open. I, I love that advice. You have to be open if you're going down this path anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are exploring an alternative path to parenthood. Most intended parents did not grow up dreaming like, you know what I really want to do is have a baby with a donor. Right. And so no, like, yeah. you're already you're already expanding your mind. Yes. So continue to expand your mind yeah. to know that, yeah, like that one inch may be exactly what you needed. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And and I would say like trust your gut. Like if you don't if you're not like loving the company that you're working with, whether it's an an agency or the or a bank or whoever, like you don't have to settle, right? Like think yes. about think about how will this how will you live with the decision that you've made, right? And make sure you you know, I'm someone who like, if I make a decision that doesn't sit right with me, I feel it in my body for like Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I think about like making a full body decision of like, yes, this feels right. This is the company we want to do it with. This is the donor we want to do it with. This is the clinic we want to move forward with and just feeling good about all those choices. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. I talk to my clients about that all the time. Like you can pause one mm-hmm. month isn't one or two months isn't going to make or break like how yeah. you've been down a really long path. Yeah. One or two months to feel really good about what you're doing and where you're totally. going. It makes a huge difference. So just Absolutely. pause. Yeah. Just pause. So yeah. pause, sleep on it, do what you need to do, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Agree. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, friends, please go check out Cofertility and all of the great things they're doing. I will link again in our show notes. So go there and um, thank you for being here, Lauren. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks everyone. I will see you next time on Infertility Crossroads. Before you go, I have a few things I want to share with you. Continue the conversation with me on my Instagram page at Maida Getman. I love connecting with people and I would love for you to join me there at M-E-T-A-G-E-T-M-A-N on Instagram. If you just learned that using a donor might be your path to becoming a parent, or if you have an inkling that donor conception is the path for you, head to my website, www.metagetman.com slash 
podcast and download my free PDF donor decision guide. This resource is packed full of questions to consider if you are even thinking about using a donor. That's metagetman.com slash podcast. Lastly, I am not a doctor, a psychologist, a nutritionist, or a professional in the area of fertility. I am a person who has gone through infertility, has learned a lot along the way, and wants to share my learnings with you. Please do not substitute what you hear on the show for professional advice. That's what the pros are for. If you want to learn more about my terms and conditions, go to my website, madeagetman.com.